1: to chair shot radio everyone this is your good friend patrick o'dowd and i am joined by my partner in crime on bandwagon nerds that releases every monday on the chair part of the chair shot radio network with my good friend the lawyer himself david Ongar. dave how you doing man
2: doing well patrick happy new year to you on the east coast and happy new year to everybody listening out there and uh 2021 can't get any worse right
1: mentioned uh happy new year did you have a good new year man did you have, did you did you do anything i know we talk about it but
2: yeah we watched uh we watched soul that's yeah. what uh that's yeah. what we did for new years which was which was really good i mean it's good it's i i don't think i like it as much as you guys did but uh i liked it plenty it was it's it's different that's for sure a good movie and i know my wife was watching Tenet last night i had something else going on namely sleep because <laughs> you know, we were talking off off air about the week that was. And, uh, yeah, it was real busy work week for me. So I was just like, I got to get some rest. Um, right. But, yeah, that's, um, it's, you know, low-key. You know, what are you going to yeah. do? Pandemic's still raging.
1: So O'Dowd, there you go. Uh, a little O'Dowd and I, he watched the ball drop for the first time. So that was, that was kind of fun and surreal at the same time to kind of see Times Square with its little corrals of people. And I will never lose the memory of JLo on top of a dress pedestal wearing what appeared to be a hockey mask over her face for her opening tune. And <laughs> I'm going to use that as a segue as to what we're going to talk about here on the Chair Shot Radio this week. I love, we had this meeting and we were given carte blanche basically to talk about whatever we want on this little like bits and pieces segment. And you and I were messaging back and forth, like, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? And I've joked about it on Bandwagon Nerds, too. I'd, I'd said, we're going to do Hockey Talk, a la the Coffee Talk, uh, Linda Richmond style from the old Saturday Night Live skit. And you were like, haha, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, and then today I was like, why don't we do so?" or yesterday I was like, why don't we do something different to talk about hockey? And it seems like you're on board. You're a fan, I'm a fan.
2: Dude, hockey's like my favorite sport. I mean, it replaced football a few years ago. You know, I guess winning the Stanley Cup has that effect on you. But right. it's actually been my favorite for a while. And uh, I know we're definitely in the minority as far as American sports fans. But yeah, I'll I'll talk hockey all the time, especially this year, which is going to be unique to say the very least.
1: Right. You You know, and the season starts in what a couple weeks. I think we got a couple. January thirteenth. January 13th, so you know, 10 days fra- from from um, from today will be will be dropping the puck in this weird setup. And I actually, you know, Dave and I we're gonna, we're gonna talk a little bit about what the NHL has decided to do in this pandemic environment to say that it's interesting is probably, I don't know if it's an understatement, but the links that they've gone to to make this happen, are pretty significant, but they they did a lot of other stuff too, and, and I had it's so much so that I literally pulled out an article from CBS Sports, just kind of tracking all all the information because we're not getting we're not getting our typical full season that that we're accustomed to. That's that's not happening. We're getting I think it's something like fifty six games. And you wanted to talk a little bit about just sort of the division. So, yeah, why don't we talk about what what the NHL has in front of it. And then we're going to break down one of the two conferences today, give you a little preview. We're going to preview the Eastern Conference, which has two divisions. and, And we'll have Dave's beloved Washington Capitals. I almost said Nationals, man. Almost, They're beloved too. They're beloved I too. Went baseball. And then next week we'll do the Western side and we'll cover the Central and Western divisions and we'll cover my beloved St. Louis Blues. Between the two of us, we have two of the last three Stanley Cup champions. I can't even remember who won. Who won the cup?
2: Tampa. Did, this
1: yeah. year? Is it over Vegas?
2: No, Tampa beat Dallas this oh, last that's right. year.
1: That's right. Fuck that.
2: yeah yeah they're a a bit of a thorn in your side so
1: every year they get in our way so yeah so let's get to it let's talk about what is going to happen here with the nhl i mentioned it 56 game season starts uh december january 13th 2021 And, and i think the first thing that we we should look at is the the divisional realignment you know i mentioned two conferences what sticks out to you as you look at this at this
2: little bit of news? Oh, by far and away, a few things. The North Division, which is also the Canadian division, is, is going to be huge for our friends north of the border. I mean, you've got all the Canadian teams in one division fighting, you know, seven teams fighting for four playoff spots. And, you know, a Canadian team hasn't won the Stanley Cup since 1993. This certainly doesn't guarantee any of that stuff. But it does... Probably gets it gets one of them to the final four at least, so that's uh that's going to be big for them. Um, I that division has me very intrigued, and, and you know that was done by necessity. You know they because of the travel restrictions, you can't have teams going across the border. So I thought that's really smart. Put them all all the Canadian teams above, you know above the border. Let them all play. Now I know there's uh, talk about the provinces aren't all on board with letting teams play in their home arenas. So you might get some mini bubbles going on, but the North division is, is the most intriguing. Um, I tell you what has me excited, Patrick is, is the way they've got it set up. So you got the four divisions, you got the top four teams, you know, it's all interdivisional play. So nobody's going to play any of the teams from the other division, the top four teams make it. Then they have the seating, uh, the four division winners that survive all that then get seated based on their regular season records. So you've got the potential to see matchups in the Stanley cup finals that you would never, I mean, you could conceivably see Boston versus Toronto in the Stanley cup finals or Boston versus Montreal, which hasn't happened since like 79. Right, um, right. Or, you know, you could get, you could even get, I, this would, I know this would make your day. You could get the blues versus the Blackhawks in the Stanley cup final which is?
1: I, I would love <laughs> that, if for no other reason than my good friend Jim, uh, who was on Bandwagoners with us. Like he's a big Blackhawks fan, and I still. Oh, he's the one I welched the bet on, and oh, like an <laughs> old style beer factory too, because the Blackhawks knocked the Blues out of the playoffs like ten years ago.
2: But it's it's fascinating to me because they have not done anything like this. It was, and this is before your time. I remember I watched started watching hockey in like '78 because I'm older than you by a lot. That would be the year born. Yes, and, and like in 1980, when they added the four teams from the WHA, Edmonton, Hartford, Quebec, and Winnipeg, they did a setup like this where it wasn't divisional. They just seeded the teams one through 16, which is why you got a Flyers-Islanders-Stanley Cup final. So if that's a template as to what we might expect then there's a lot of really interesting things that are going to happen in this. I mean, and 56 games, all interdivisional. It's like, yeah, every game's going to actually count.
1: Yeah, this calendar is really, yeah, it's going to make for an exciting ceiling, season. And the calendar itself is like this breakneck pace, you know, the thing to fault The season starts on the 13th of January. The trade deadline is April 12th. The end of the regular season is May 8th. So just boom, it's it's there and then it's gone. Five months the last possible day for playoffs and this still is strange to me July 15th <laughs> it, like if if every playoff round goes the distance July 15th and hockey in July let's let's it's weird it's a little weird then you've got the expansion the expansion draft will start on the 21st of July with the NHL draft uh, the 23rd and the 24th and the start of free agency will be the 28th, which is when most of the playoff teams really care about. The offseason is is free agency. The draft is the draft is what it is. Uh, but free agency it all all about who you lose because of cap restrictions, you know what I mean? Yeah,
2: and then you got the uh, Kraken about to get released on everybody next year and it, <laughs> release the Kraken.
1: That's that might be a pod, that might be a I don't know if that's a it's a chair shot radio topic for another day, but the expansion draft rules and the way that the NHL allows for a, an expansion team to hot shot its way into playoff contender because of what you have to give up is nuts. Like, I'm sorry. I'm happy for the city of Las Vegas that, that they got a cup. But they got a cup before my team got a cup.
2: They didn't get a cup.
1: Oh, they didn't get a cup. They made the finals. You're right. They made the finals.
2: We, we denied them, Patrick. Thank you for we denying did. them
1: a cup because it wasn't right that they made it to the finals in the first place. And, uh, it,
2: it wasn't, but, I mean, there were so many good teams from the West who just couldn't take him out. And, right, and I, I mean, honestly, I gave the Caps, like, no chance against them and uh, right. was so pleasantly surprised at the way that, you know, that the way that series went.
1: Right, right. And, and I guess that's the other thing. You talked about the feeling of winning a cup or your team winning a cup. I got to feel that the very next year. And I, I think I've shared this on multiple radio outlets, actually, multiple podcasts, but I'll, I'm going to share it again here. It's the only time I've been moved to tears over, a, baseball, or over a, a sports team of mine winning a title. Now, I think the only way that I could ever get that emotional over a sports team again would be if my beloved University of Illinois fighting Illini basketball team, because I'm not so foolish as to believe that they will ever be a football contender. But if their basketball program ever won the NCAA tournament in my lifetime, I just... That that would be, like, it was everything. And the movement that that team had when Jordan Bennington took over a goal and the run they went on to win that cup, I remember where I was. I remember what I was watching. I remember playing Gloria and watching Brett Hall get smashed, shit-faced at the parade the next day, saying, we went blues, and people being like, what does that mean? But we're going to rally behind it. And... <laughs> Just, everybody was so happy, and, and it was so, for me, you know, my hockey fandom started with Brett Hull, and, went, like, I was devastated when he went to the Stars. Just devastated. And I was happy for him that he finally got his ring with the Stars, but damn, I he, him, Brendan Shanahan, Grant Fuhrer, so many guys that played for the St. Louis Blues and never got out of the third round, you know, second round of the playoffs. Losing to Detroit time and time again, to to finally when it was just was monumental. And so I love that we're going to talk hockey, and I hope we can do it more during these radio, these, these chair shot radios.
2: Was was Brett Hull in the crease, Patrick? What do you think? <laughs> I don't think so either, uh but I mean, you yeah, I mean, the Blues had the run the year after the Caps had the run, and I mean, and they're very similar franchises. I mean, both of them very snake bit. Both of them break through a year separated. And both of them had kind of similar runs to the cup. And you could kind of feel the momentum building as they went along. And and they both struggled at times. I mean, yeah, the Blues were in last place before yeah, they, they went on that tremendous run in the
1: in January. They were in yeah. last place in January.
2: And the Caps had gotten blown out by Chicago in some game. And I mean, and, and, and then you just, It's you know, and you look at all the great Capitals teams that have come before them that never could get because of the frickin Pittsburgh Penguins. But, you know, they could never get by that hump. And then, you know, the team that you think, well, they're good, but they're not good enough. They're the ones who win it all. But that's the glory of hockey is that it's not always the team that looks the best in the regular season. It's how are you built for the playoffs? And yeah, I'm sure we're going to talk about that when we look at these these two divisions here.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a good segue. Who is built for the playoffs? And let's do this. You are a fan of the Caps, so we will save the Eastern Division of the Eastern Conference for last. Uh, and I keep saying East-West Conference because that's just how I have to wrap my brain around this thing. I get that the, all of the Canadian teams are spread out across Canada. I know that Winnipeg and Ottawa aren't next door to each other, everybody. I'm not a, I'm not a stupid American. But you you mentioned you mentioned Montreal. Who's your who's your what do you think of this conference? What do you think of these this Canadian conference? Because uh, I like I like Winnipeg and I like Toronto. Those are those are two teams that just every, that in the last few years, especially Toronto. I feel like Toronto is so close to getting over the hump and, and being that team, like they you know going down to the Bruins year in and year. I don't have to worry about that for a while anyway. Uh, and I think Toronto could be the team that, that, that comes out of this division and, and gets, gets does some damage.
2: Toronto's problem is they are just, I mean, they're quintessential underachievers and they find new ways they're to so lose. Talented,
1: they shouldn't do that
2: way. They, they shouldn't. Uh, the teams I've got my eye on are um, Edmonton and Vancouver. And I think, you know, Edmonton's got.
0: You came to slay this Peloton.
1: Get... I am having a day.
2: Good. Lord. <laughs> well, Patrick's shopping for a Peloton folks, but, uh,
1: no, but CBS sports certainly wants me to, uh,
2: they do. They do. But I, I look at the run Vancouver went on a year ago. Now they got Braden Holpe as, as goalie. I'm sure he's got something to prove to the, a lot of people. He is a Stanley cup winning goalie. Uh, Edmonton's got so much youth and so much talent. I got Connor McDavid and, and, and just they're somebody who I look to say, okay, they need to break through in a big way. Those are the teams that I kind of look at. Winnipeg's going to be really good. Uh, Toronto will be really good. Calgary, maybe, maybe not. Ottawa's probably still a couple years away. Yeah, I'm not Montreal at all.
1: I, I think they're, I think they're a couple years away too. Still, like they just, I don't quite see them there.
2: Who's that? Ottawa, ha- Calgary. Calgary, Calgary, yeah, yeah. Um, Montreal, they're intriguing just because you know you look at what they did a year ago, where or in the yeah, playoffs they where they upset good. the Penguins. And, and look, at times, good against Philadelphia. But yeah, I, I just think um, the teams, I, I mean, I look at what Vancouver did a year ago, and they really impressed me. And, right. and, and Edmonton um, Edmonton fell flat in the playoffs, so they got something to prove. But, I, I, you know, those are the teams I kind of like. I think Edmonton and Vancouver are the ones that I'm going to be watching most closely. But, yeah, Toronto should, should excel in this division. I, I mean, them hey, and Winnipeg, no, like you're saying, they should.
1: Don't count out Joe Thornton. That's all I'm going to say. You don't count out Joe Thornton. With the
2: where did he, where did he end up? He Toronto. went to Toronto. Yeah, he's okay.
1: in Toronto. So just I love him. He's a grinder. Love those type of players. So All right, so who you got? You said I don't know. Who you got? I'm going with Toronto. I think Toronto is the team to beat with uh, amongst the Canadians of of our friends up north. I'm
2: actually going to go with Vancouver. I'm going to go Vancouver. with the Canucks.
1: All right, it's bold choice, Cotton. Let's see how it plays <laughs> out for him. All right, so that's the wet, or that's the North. What about the East? Are you going to be a Homer, Dave? What happened to Washington this offseason? Let's just start with that. Like, let's, let's well, your team first, my friend.
2: Jeez, it started off looking pretty good. They got, uh, they picked up Henrik Lundqvist, which th- oh, we cool. thought, oh, that's going to be fantastic. You know, you got one and of the then- best of all time as a backup or possibly completing for a starting job. And then now, you know, Henrik's got to have open heart surgery. He's got to have bypass. He's got to have aortic valve replacement. Um, You know, obviously he's been a thorn in my side for many years, but I certainly wish him the best. Uh, So with the caps, it's like, and then they got Zdeno Chara this week, which, okay, at 795,000, that's probably a steal for him. But my, my, my concern with the caps is I just... They're just—they're kind of old, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, you bring in a forty-three-year-old defenseman. Alex is still dominant, but he's not Alex of old, um, right. you know. They've got—they've got some young guys. I mean, it, you know, the big question is going to be goaltender now. Whether Samsonov or Samsonov, however they pronounce it, um, is going to be the leader and can and can carry the load. And it doesn't look like they're going to pick up anybody as a backup like Corey Crawford. I heard rumors about him or Jimmy Howard. Jimmy Howard had a terrible year last year. So I think they might just go with who they've got, which is Confidence Vanisak is or something like that. Huh?
1: Confidence is low. Is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, the Caps, to me, they're not going to win the, the uh, division. I could see them being top four and making it to the playoffs just because they've got too much talent and too much experience. And Peter Laviolette will get a lot out of them. And I love the coaching change because Reardon just didn't do it for me. But you and and honestly, Pittsburgh's in the same kind of situation, an older, an aging team right. still has talent, still has playmakers, but they, and they, they what they lost Matt Murray. I think he went to Ottawa or something like that. So I'm not sure who the Penguins goaltender is now. Um, I look at teams like. The Rangers who came on at the end of the year. The Islanders are really good. Philadelphia is really good. Uh, Boston will probably take a step back. Buffalo, is this the year they can take a step forward? They're kind of like Edmonton East, where it's like, well, you look at all the people that they've got, they should step forward. New Jersey, and they're probably still a couple years away. So, you know, if if you're asking me to pick one team to come out of this thing, man, I'd probably go with the Islanders right now.
1: Yeah, the Islanders. I, the Islanders were playing a phenomenal hockey at the end of the season, into their playoff run, and I, yeah, they're the ones that I thought would be would be very would be would be the team, or I think they're going to be the team to beat out of this little division. You talked about Boston. You know, they didn't just lose the Dan O'Chara; they also lost Tori Krug to a certain team in St. Louis, and you know they still got Brad Marchand. They still got, um, oh god, I can't remember their goaltender's name. He's
2: uh, is it Rask? Tuukka
1: Rask. Tuukka Rask. Rask. is still really good. They're gonna be, but I think they're a middling team now, right now. And, and you know, unless somebody like Jake DeBrusk really earns the two years, seven point three five million dollars, he's getting. You know, he's he's only twenty four. He's going to have to become a bigger bigger part of that team. And, and that's, I, I'm not going to lie, you hate to see it. Okay, I'm lying. I don't hate to see it. <laughs> I love to see it. The Boston Bruins, you, you want to talk about insufferable fan bases, my friend. The Boston Bruins, the Boston fan base is always what I would call the, the quintessential insufferable fan base. And just always loving their own noise. The Rangers are the is you mentioned the Rangers as well. The Rangers are the other up and coming team. You talk about teams that could they take a step forward. The New York Rangers could be one that could take a step forward.
2: And, and Philadelphia took a big step forward last year, and right. and that they could take an even bigger step forward because there's a lot of talent on that team. I don't want to. I don't want to see them.
1: Right. Yeah. Because the, they beat the they're, shit they're out of us. They're, the, they're, they're, <laughs> that said they're dangerous. Yes. Very. You just don't like dangerous and you just don't like Danger Squads. Uh-oh. Uh Yeah, sorry about that. That was. I think my you head. muted yourself, buddy? I did mute myself. Clicking, 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 trying to stay on top of everything. Um, yeah, you just don't—you don't want to play a team that I honestly just plays like they got nothing to lose every time. Like every time they step on the ice, you just know that you better buckle up because they're coming for you. Am I still muted? Was I? Could you? Now you're not. Now you're uh, not. Man, I had this whole thing talking about how the Philadelphia Flyers are just a team you don't want to face. When they get on the ice, they're a dangerous, dangerous squad. They bring it every week. You, you always are going to get their best punch. Always going to get their best punch. And you just danger. Will Robinson.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly, and they they don't know when to quit, and, and their series with the Islanders last year in the playoffs was excellent, um, but yeah, I mean the Buffalo and New Jersey are the are the X factors in this whole thing right. that, you know, it's like well Buffalo hasn't made the playoffs since I I don't know since the last time the Bills won a divisional championship I guess until this year, so maybe this is Buffalo's I don't know. year
1: though, like maybe that's what it is, maybe twenty twenty one. This is it's going to be this great year for the who are we kidding the Bills aren't winning the Super Bowl. Bless they might hearts.
2: get there, but I don't they'd have to figure out a way to beat the Chiefs. But yeah, I mean, Chiefs? I think you'll learn a lot about the Sabers cuz they start off with those two games in Buffalo against the Caps. Right. And you know, the Caps are going to have something to prove and and, and you know, the Cavs, all the... the team? Who the Capitals? Yeah. So, yeah, they're a playoff team. I you know, I don't I don't see how with all that talent, they're not going to be top four and, and, and make no mistake. They may be older, but that defensive line. Now you look at what they're going to bring out. You know, you're going to have Chara. You're going to have John Carlson. Now you've got Brendan Dillon back there. Uh, Kep, these has gone for the year, but you got Dmitry Orlov. They brought in Justin Schultz from the penguins and you got Siegenthaler. And so they've got three really good lines. They can throw The caps are going to be, it really depends what Kuznetsov does it really depends what Lars Eller does Tommy Wilson and and, and does does OB take a step back you know if he still lighten up the shit like he was last year they're going to be just fine
1: right it sounds it's like me and every year i wonder if this is the year that Vladimir Tarasenko stops being Vladimir Tarasenko but right, right. there's 56 games what does that do to the season like you could be sunk or done you know, like in relatively quickly.
2: You could be, you could be. And and the good thing is if you make the playoffs with a shortened season like that, um, you're not going to be as worn out as like in an 82 game season, which should make the playoffs um, a little bit more interesting uh, and, and maybe get some better matchups. I mean, you saw in the last playoffs in the bubble, just some of the different things that happened because they'd been off for so long. That now it's going to be, yes, a shortened season.
1: My hockey team. That layoff killed my hockey team. They were leading West in points. They were playing extraordinarily well, and they never got out of a – they came out in that brief, like, round-robin for seeding in a funk, and they never got out of it. Never got out of it. Looked lethargic. Like, that was the thing. Like, as I watched them, they just looked lethargic. We can talk about that more next week.
2: Yeah, the Caps were the same way. They never, never got going. I mean, and the Islanders just made them look bad. I mean, yeah, I guess, you know, if, if frickin' Verana scores in game three, then maybe the whole series is different, but whatever. Well, or if we could hold a the 2-0 lead. <laughs> hockey, though,
1: is it really does, you know, turn on a goal. One goal yeah. can make all the difference. One one stop, one save. A hot goalie, we always, everybody talks about a hot goalie, will get you a Stanley Cup pass the St. Louis Blues. Jordan Bennington was the hottest goalie ever. And If you don't believe me, go watch Game Seven between them and the Bruins. The the saves yeah, he made just the
2: first period.
1: It's ridiculous. I still go back and watch that stuff. One, because I'm a fan, but two, because it's amazing. But yeah, that'll do it. So that'll that'll wrap up our little uh, our little four-way. A brief hockey preview is what we're looking at, as we've covered the Eastern the quote-unquote Eastern Conference, the North and. East divisions, basically Canada and the East Coast as far north. Well, not the East Coast because we don't go all the way down south. Again, the, the dividing up of these these divisions is interesting, to say the least.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's like, uh, how west. did St. Louis end up out west? But okay, I guess well, somebody's got to go out west. They end up out west, but Chicago's in the central.
1: Well, I think about it in terms of baseball because for the longest time, you know, St. Louis was the westernmost team in Major League Baseball until uh, the the famous decision by Walter O'Malley to move a team over. So, there you go. So next week we will cover that Central Division. We will cover that Western Division. Uh, by the way, Western also including the state of Florida, or Central including the state of Florida, because you know, totally the center of the country. And Absolutely. I feel here's what we'll do. So next week for next week's Chair Shot Radio, we'll give our predictions for the two two divisions and then I say we're going to pick uh, an, kind of our two our, our Stanley Cup finalists and who we think is going to who's going to raise the cup in May. And, and that'll do it for Chair Shot Radio for next week. I think I think that sounds like a reasonable plan.
2: I think so. I mean it's it's fun to prognosticate and we'll see just how completely, you know, this is the year New Jersey wins the cup, but it's stuff like that, you know. to see how it all turns out
1: unpredictable thing it's so crazy hockey is probably the least predictable sport hockey and baseball two two sports that are just unbelievably difficult to prognosticate like because the best teams don't always win the world series though they did yeah
2: and and home ice advantage doesn't matter when there are fans and it matters even less when there's none
1: exactly so Yeah, so that'll do it for our little bit uh, with Chair Shot Radio this week. Before we go, uh, we want to remind you all, if you like hearing Dave and I talk, sometimes we fight and argue on Mondays when we do a little hopping on the bandwagon with the Reverend Ray Cash and the live studio audience, PC Tunney. So be sure to give us a listen there. Follow us at Bandwagon Nerds uh, as well on the Twitter. Uh, We're going to do a quick little commercial break. And then we're going to hand things over to our good friend Robin that for the second half of this little uh, edition of chair shot radio. I hope everybody enjoys their Sunday and that we have kicked your day off right. Anything to say to the good folks before we go Dave?
2: Let's go caps. That's all I got to say.
1: All right. And with that, we're going to do a quick commercial break. When we come back, Rob will be taking over the chair shot radio. You are listening to chair shot radio, a part of the Chairshot radio network on the ChairShot.com. pwx over the top shine and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only 5.99 per month get your free trial today at powerslam.tv
2: go to powerslam.tv promo code chair get your free month again that's powerslam.tv promo code chair shot
0: the always use your head Hello there, everyone. I'm Rob Barnett, and this is my first solo trip into the world of ChairShot Radio. If you've listened to any of the ChairShot podcasts in the past, then you have heard me a few times. I've been on a bunch of times on Outsider's Edge with Ray, Carl, and Kyle. I came on with uh, Ray and Chris Platt went on the old ChairShot Radio several times been on Bandwagon Nerds and been on Three Man Weave once or twice each, so you may not be unfamiliar with me, or at least with the sound of my voice here, but this is my first time as a solo act here on Chair Shot Radio. As y'all may have heard, we have revived Chair Shot Radio for 2021. We got different stuff coming on each day, and on this Sunday... You have me. <laughs> so what I'm going to be doing here is, oh, three things. Okay, I'm going to talk a little bit about stuff that's going on today in the world of pro wrestling. I'm going to talk a little bit about some things that I watched or experienced, you know, throughout wrestling history. I've been a wrestling fan for about 35 years off and on or since 1985 so that is yes that is 35 years and some change <laughs> so I'll be drawing from my wealth of experience as a wrestling fan and talking about some stuff from days gone by and then if you've got any time left if I got any just kind of random stray thoughts hanging around out there I'll throw some of those out there for you do now I do happen to have my own separate podcast, you know, separate from the whole chair shot thing. It's called the Rob the Genius podcast, and that's on Anchor. It's on Spotify. Um, I think it's on Apple, and oh, if you you know, it's on the, the Google Podcast thing also. Um, so you can listen to that there. I occasionally talk about wrestling stuff there but for the most part i talk about what's going on in the world you know news politics sports whatever so it is my pleasure to be here with y'all this week for what i hope is the first of a long run here on ShareShot radio and just to give y'all a heads up You know, when I talk about pro wrestling, this is, look, I do not do the whole complaining about booking. You know, I don't go on and on about who's being misused and who's getting buried. I don't do that. If that's what you're looking for, then you're in the wrong place. All right. I'm going to talk about the stuff I like. And if there's some stuff that maybe leaves me scratching my head a little bit, I can't figure out, then I'll, you know, I'll. just ask the questions that I might have about that <coughs> but this is a pro pro wrestling <laughs> account, uh, show here All right. my intent is not to make you mad about what you're watching because there are enough people doing that already and honestly I think it's kind of dumb look I mean we do this stuff for fun we do it for a diversion right we, we should not be getting mad about it at least, not like every week, anyway. I mean, yeah, I mean, you you occasionally get mad about things you watch or read or whatever. Sure. But you shouldn't be getting mad every week about it. And you definitely shouldn't be getting mad, you know, because you're listening to people with an agenda. And that's not, that's not what I'm here for. Okay. And... I'm a fan first and a critic second, so I'm just gonna let you know that up front. So, look, you are not gonna get me to argue booking about about booking decisions if one of my favorite wrestlers wins a match. Okay, when when my favorites are in the ring, I root for them to win. Okay, it is not my job to make the wins and losses fit into some bigger booking strategy or philosophy or whatever okay and i recommend that's what you do okay root for your favorite wrestlers like you would root for your favorite football team or basketball team or tennis player or golfer or whatever all right worry about booking second all right make for a much more happier wrestling fan experience (laughs) anyway all right that's enough of the introductory stuff here so what I'm going to do is uh take a little commercial here and then we will get the ball rolling with what's going on this week. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. All right, so let's kick this thing off with what's going on today, or at least what's been going on the past week or so. So last night was SmackDown. And, you know, like in my Twitter circles, you know, SmackDown called basically the A-show for WWE now. And it really is. There are a bunch of different reasons for that. And I'll, you know, get into those as I go along here. But we saw a continuation of the the feud between Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens. And, like, this has been really good. And it has almost like it has an old school kind of feel for me. And what's going on here is that, well, one, both of these guys are so good on the mic. Going at each other, that it allows for continuing the feud, even though they've had two title matches and Reigns has won both of them. Now they're I mean, going ahead and he had help winning both, so it was not like he beat Owens clean twice, but normally in 2020. You know, getting three pay-per-view matches potentially—well, not well, well. one of them was on TV, but getting three pay-per-view style matches out of a feud—I mean, people will normally be complaining and saying it's too much and all of that, or it's overkill. In this case, what's what's selling it is the mic work is selling it from both Roman and Kevin Owens. To the point where you know most people in my timeline were, you know, all set for, you know, a third match between the two guys, and you know maybe it'll happen in the Royal Rumble. That's my guess, or it may happen on TV before that. Even who knows, whatever. But um, yeah, my my Twitter timeline is all here for a third match between the two guys, and I mean that's how well they're selling it on the mic. In their promo segments, in their backstage segments, and everything, yeah, you know, there there were house shows now, right now they 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 would be absolutely killing it, and you know, well, I love to go to house shows anyway, but that's one where I would tell people to go go see it, and beyond that, um, so the show ended with uh, you know Roman and Jey Uso you know beating down, KO. And you know, I saw a few people who said, okay, that's enough of that. How many times are they going to do that? I guess for me, it's a callback to the Horsemen and Dusty Rhodes. I said this on Twitter last night. And you know some people have in recent years tried to kind of equate Kevin Owens to Stone Cold Steve Austin. That always seemed kind of weird to me. But I think the, the real comparison is... With him and Dusty Rhodes, the, the same kind of stuff they talk about in their promos. And this kind of, I won't keep fighting no matter what you do to me. This is, I think, straight out of the Dusty playbook. And, now, and look, the beatings he's taking are straight out of the Dusty playbook, right? I mean, you know, Dusty used to get beat down by the Four Horsemen, not every week, but I'd say at least twice a month. Right, I mean, they got the better of him in some kind of way. <laughs> so I guess for, so for me, it's not too much. And look, and he beat Jey Uso in the match to close the show, you know before the beatdown happened, and then he was you know beating up Jey Uso after the match when Roman came out there. So it's not like he didn't get any licks in, right? But I think I guess some people want to see Ko actually beat down Roman. On TV and be I guess standing over him or something, as the show closes for once we haven't gotten that yet. You know, we he's beaten down Jay, and stood tall at the end. But I think I guess some people want a moment where he beats down Roman on TV and gets to stand over him, and you know maybe they'll they'll do that before the next match they have together. Um, but just you know look look I mean. I grew up on, again, Dusty getting his ass kicked a lot, and he wasn't winning the big matches either, (laughs) okay, so we'll we'll see how it goes, but I mean, so far, look, it's it's been A-plus for me so far, and that is especially rare for like a December kind of program, And uh, the other stuff they did. Alright, so Sami Zayn and Big E are not finished. Oh, E had a defended title against Baron Corbin, and Sammy did a run-in. That led to a tag team match because Apollo came out and you know helped E. So that gave us a tag team match between E and Apollo against Sammy and Corbin. And E and Apollo won that one. And that's set up. What's going to be an Intercontinental title match next week between Ian e Apollo? And that should be a good one. And on the women's side, we had a tag team match uh, Bianca and Sasha against Bailey and Carmella. Decent enough match. Carmella pin Sasha. So I think that's going to. But, you know, Coleman, that's going to keep that going. And we'll, you know, and we'll probably get another pay-per-view match between Carmella and Sasha at Royal Rumble, maybe. And I saw some people were kind of, you know, grumbling about that. But, look, the match they had TLC was very good. So, I'm fine with having another one. And also, I mean, you got guy like this. Alright, it at least appears that all roads are leading to Sasha versus Bianca at WrestleMania. So, that means they can't do that before then. I mean, they're not going to have her defending against Bailey again. I mean, they you know, they just finished like a year-long angle, and then they, they ended in a feud. So, they're not going to—they can't go back to that already. So, unless, you know, you got some other name. I mean, right now, I mean, if not Carmella, then who, Natalia? I mean, if you're all grumbling about Carmelo, you're going to be like double grumbling about, you know, Natalia. No, even though, you know, the resulting match will probably be a very good one. And then, I mean, who else is right now is at a point of, you know, being, you know, pay-per-view title defense worthy. I mean, Liv and Ruby are teaming together and, Right now, other one of them is on. Is at an individual level, is there right now, and you know, not Tamina, and you know, not Billy Kay either. So I mean, it, it's either do a more with Carmella, or. She doesn't defend it at all, which I mean, she doesn't have to defend it there. But, you know, like the first year they had a women's Royal Rumble in 2018, the titles were not defended on that card. So, I mean, you don't have to do that. But if they're going to have a SmackDown Women's title match on the card, then that's really the way to go. And I think uh, you know Bailey and Bianca are gonna—they're not done yet, you know. So I'm sure they're. Uh, I'm guessing maybe they'll they'll get their kind of final blow off during the Rumble match. Maybe. Yeah, I mean there'll probably be another match on TV before then. I'm, I would expect Bianca to win that one. And then the other women's match was a uh, Livin Ruby against Natalia and Tamina, and that's been set up basically a few weeks ago. Billy Kay looking for a tag team partner against them. The first one, first partner she went with was Natty, and then they lost. And then the next week she had Tamina as a partner, and then they lost. So now this week she's trying to be a manager for Natty and Tamina and of course it did not work but this time she got the match was over she left or she walked out she walked behind living ruby as if she was on their side now and i said on twitter that she pulled a don king because uh you know don king for those of y'all who are too young for this don king is a fight promoter and way back in the 70s uh, he promoted the fight between George Foreman, Joe Frazier, and Frazier was the world champion. Foreman beat him, and so he came out with Frazier and left with Foreman. <laughs> so that's what I mean, that's what kind of reminded me of. And you know, Billy Kay has just been hilarious on TV. You yeah, know, ever since. Well, she's always been really funny, but like she's been really shining on her own. And a amount of people still upset that they broke up her and Peyton. I think the difference is that... Billy can actually hold her own as a TV character, as we've been seeing. Um, Peyton, not so much. So, Peyton needed the team more than Billy. And right now, honestly... I know some of y'all want to see them just get put back together, but... I'd rather see Billy keep doing what she's doing. Um, you know, Peyton's gonna have, they're gonna, they're gonna you know she and Creative have to figure something out with her if she's gonna progress any further. But I think Billy's doing really well as a TV. You know, just as far as playing like, her character on TV and all of that, and she's really funny. And like, I don't think she's ever gonna be like Women's Champion or anything, but there's no reason she can't just do cool, funny stuff every week in perpetuity, right? I mean, you know, as long as, you know, I mean, just as long as, you know, every, every few months they're going to switch up the material or whatever, you know, but still, she's doing really well on her own. Um, and look, I, would, I mean, I would have been fine if they kept them together, but now that they've done it, that they've split them apart, I think Bella's doing well on her own, that it, you know to me there's no rush to put them back together now you know peyton's got to sink or swim and she needs i mean she needs a partner so that's why she's with Lacey, evans over on raw and it's better for her to be in that team you know and i mean yes it's a thrown together team and all of that okay but that's better for her than her just being out there as a solo act because she'd be sinking right now <laughs> For sure. But Billy's doing great. You know, as far as living Ruby's riot squad. They won a bunch of matches together. So. I think this is. Leading towards them getting another title match. I know, know a lot of people have been saying. Well, why haven't they won the titles already? Just, you know, they need to put the tag team titles on them. And I'm going to get to this later. But right now um, what well, to me all right all that matters is that what well, well, what really matters is, is that they get a story that leads up to them that leads to them getting the tag team titles and, it, it, and then it goes in such a way that they come out looking like they've been elevated in the process right because Right now, I mean, look, if you're not a hardcore internet fan who just wants them to win, so wants them to, you know, get the titles so badly, right? That's not you. Like, to the people who aren't that, the people who just watch the show, I mean, they're a nice team and all, but they have kind of a stature problem right now that has to be you have to book their way through it or over it or past it. But right now, the problem is... You know, to the lay folks who are watching... Alright, when they were in there with Naya and Shayna... They didn't look like anybody who should be winning that match. Alright, and now... You know, if you put them in there with Asuka and Charlotte... It's going to be the same thing. Right, I mean they're not, they, right now they don't look like too, again, too, if you're not a hardcore internet fan, if you're not, you know, just so invested in people who have not gotten the big push, getting the big accolades, right, I mean, then, if you're not, if you're not in that boat, then as soon as you, you put them in a ring across from Charlotte and Oscar, and it's going to look, and again, the, the layman looks at that and says, no way they should win. So they I mean, so there's are going to need some type of angle or story or whatever to kind of get them to the point where you can put them in that match, and <clears throat> them winning is believable. All right. That that's a big important thing when you when you do these things, and that's uh, you know that's a big disconnect between parts of the fan base here is that, you know, your hardcore internet fans, a lot of them love whoever is not getting the big push or love whoever was not designated as, you know, Vince's guys or gals, right? And, or, you know, they love, you know, the people who have quote-unquote pay their dues, or deserve it. When in, but on the other side of the street, you got the people who just, you know, you got people who watch the show and for whom the eye test means a lot. Right? Because they're not digging into people's personal backgrounds and their career journeys and all, and they're not reading dirt sheets to see who Vince allegedly likes or doesn't like, okay? The people who just watch the show and for whom the eye test makes a huge difference. You got to get living and ruby to the point where those people will look at them like they can win. So there's still some work to do with them. So that's, So to say just put the belts on them. That's not a good long term thing to do right now. Right now it's just checking a box. And in the way you want it as a fan, well look well, okay, somebody who has been watching this stuff for thirty five years. Right, you got you gotta how how you build somebody towards winning the championship matters. And them winning should be more than just checking a box, right? It should be more than just something that is done to placate some loud people on the internet, because what happens is that those people are never placated (laughs) right now. What happens is, you know, you give them the win so you can check the box and then they're still not satisfied. And then you can have you you can have them keep the titles for a few months and have some matches and all of that, and they'll still be saying that oh well, the rain wasn't very good. So you got to do more than just check a box with them winning, right? They need now you need something that will ultimately make them look like. They can stand across the ring from Charlotte and Asuka or Shayna and Nia, or Sasha and Bianca. (laughs) Right? You need some. You need to do something with them so that they look like they can stand across the ring from any of those teams and win. And right now, they're not there yet. Okay if you were to ask me you know just again to 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 the laymen, to the people who just watched this show right if you were to, if you would have like a four-way elimination match with charlotte and oscar shana and naya bianca and sasha and then the riot squad and then again you ask, you know the layman who should win that match and come out with the title I don't think very many of them would pick the riots. Right Why? All right, I think because you know once they're all in the ring at the same time, you know they don't look like the team who should win out of those four. So you got to get them to a point where the wider audience takes them seriously and takes them serious enough. For them to beat one of those teams. Because otherwise... You know, if... Charlotte and Oscar lose to somebody else... And then... The Riot Squad beats whoever that somebody else is... The stature problem still hasn't been fixed. And... You know, you end up in a place where... Like they were with the Iconics. Where they had the titles for several months, but... You know, they still didn't do anywhere near as much on TV with them as they should have. So I think, you know, there's still some work that needs to be done there. And you don't want them winning like on some kind of fluke or something where, you know, like how how the Iconics won the title at WrestleMania 35. You don't want them to win it that way. And to where the whole time they have the titles afterwards that, you know, they look like the less you know, the like the lesser of the people in the ring. Just something to think about. Right? Look, that stuff matters. Right? It really does. And it matters more than how long somebody's been, you know, toiling on the Indies before they came to WWE. It matters more than what Vince allegedly likes or doesn't like about somebody and again putting a title just putting a title on somebody because you think they deserve it is not is not the great move that it's cracked up to be it just it just isn't but anyway going along with the rest of the show and there was a tag team match with Otis and Dan Bryant against Oh Shinsuke and Cesaro. Okay, so Daniel Bryan got the he got the win for his team there, and so they're they're going with a story. You know, Daniel Bryan declared for Royal Rumble, and you know they're making a point out of it that he has never won it. So this is going one of two ways: either he's going to win, or he's whoever throws him out is gonna get like maximum heat for it so if it ends up being the latter what i hope y'all do is do not get mad at the booker all right they're not gonna do all this just for him to get thrown out like 18th and nothing come of it all right so either he's gonna win or him getting thrown out is going to be a kind of catalyst for something. And then, you know, then on out of that also, the, the, the you know, the Gable and Otis pairing is still, is still going quite well, I think. And, you know, you know they broke up heavy machinery and that was, you know, they booked themselves into a corner with Otis in the briefcase. And then, you know, Roman came back. And they were kind of stuck because Otis was not going to challenge Roman. You know, that would have been like basically a summary execution on live TV. Right? They weren't going to do that. So they need to get the briefcase off of Otis. And, you know, the quickest way to do it was just to get, have Tucker turn on him. And it sucks for Tucker, right? Because Tucker has been geneticed. So, hoping that he you know finds his way back and you know some kind of way because yeah, it stinks for him, but Tucker is actually really good in the ring. So does that, and I think that's pretty much everything with on SmackDown, and like SmackDown is the easiest of all the I think of all the WWE shows. SmackDown is the easiest one to watch, and I think. Also, a lot of that is because they're on network TV and they're sticking to what is basically kind of the, the tried and true wrestling TV formula and also you know they're doing what works on network TV I mean network TV is not cable right it's a different kind of mindset in the audience and you yeah, know it's about Giving people characters that they get familiar with and feel comfortable with and like having around and then just kind of building a relationship there and well i guess i mean all tv is like that to a degree but i mean in network tv the stakes are a bit higher and you have to be more expeditious about that you can't you know try stuff that is kind of low percentage and hope it is something hope that clicks Right, you you got to go with, you got to you got to do your show in a way that you have a higher success probability, right? And I think that's what they you know that's what they do on SmackDown, and the result is that it is an easier show to watch, and plus it's only two hours. Now, Raw, on the other hand, Raw is always going to be hard, hard, harder to watch because it's three hours long, and because it's that because it's three hours. Getting enough material to cover the three hours is always going to be difficult. You know, and what happens a lot of weeks with RAW is there are segments where, you know, for me where it feels like they're trying to do something and not just doing it. You know, that's why some of those segments don't hit or sometimes they feel like they drag. and you know you put that across three hours and yeah it it can it can it can feel kind of difficult to get through some a lot of stretches now that being said i think you know uh, this past week you know the the last episode of 2020 was the, the best episode of 2020 for them because you know they got to the matches you know, they didn't have long drawn out talking segments and the matches were the right length because that matters, right? I mean, and you can't have a bunch of 20 minute matches, contrary to what some people might tell you. But, you know, it's, it, it is a problem when when they have too many of those kind of quick hitter matches that don't last very long, which means then you got to have more talking. So, this past week, they finally found, I thought, the right mix. And also, it helps that... Well, it helps that Charlotte is back, for real, because that kind of ups the overall level of at least one of your matches. Because, look, the women's side on Raw had been badly depleted... For months. You know. Because you had Asuka. And you had Shayna and Nia. And then you had everyone else. And. The only. You know. Kind of money match. That was there was. Shayna and Asuka. But you can't burn. But. Problem is. If you'd burn that in. You know. October or November. Or December. Then it would be gone. (laughs) So. I mean, you kind of want to hold on to that as long, you know, for a while and not do it right away. But at the same time, you know, they just didn't, you know, they had Lana and Mandy and Dana, Peyton and Lacey. Um, well, Nikki Cross is there. And Amelia but, you know, she's part of Retribution. So she, she hasn't been in the regular mix. Of women's action. And then, you know, Alexa is, you know, doing stuff with The Fiend. So there was just, I mean, there were were just, you know, a lot of women who the internet just doesn't think are very good. And that's Lacey, that's Peyton, Dana. Um, people, in particular, and you know, having them involved in a lot of your women stuff, you know, led to a lot of just groaning on the internet. And you know, and then I saw people saying that you know, well, this is unfair to Oscar that she's you know burdened with all of these people, right? And went, hey, come on now. But just so 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 having Charlotte back puts somebody in the mix there that well is <laughs> better than all of those people. And while you know, there and while there's some loud people on the internet who, you know, hate when Charlotte comes back because they think that she's just gonna be handed everything. I mean well, get over it. Right. I mean oh let me let me just state it very clearly. Okay. Um over on this show, we do not hate Charlotte Flair, okay? We do not. All right. This show is a... It, this is a Charlotte Flair fan show here. All right, so you are not going to hear me groaning about her winning too much or, you know, how she shouldn't win this or doesn't need to win that. You, you're not going to hear that here. All right? you're you come here looking for that, and you're barking up the wrong tree. But anyway, having her back... Have made a difference in just a few weeks. And what has also helped is that the past couple of weeks, they've actually let Mandy and Dana wrestle for more than 30 seconds. You know, and you know, like they've been teaming up, that's helped. But, you know, Dana actually got to work. A, Dana worked a good match against Shayna Baszler on Monday, right? Um, Dana and Mandy worked a good match the week before against Shayna and Naya. Yeah, it's it's we're kind of at a point now with them, where you know it's you you got to let them try, right? Because previously, you know Dana, they would send Dana out there, and she'd either lose in thirty seconds or a minute, or maybe get to go a few minutes at best. And, again, there would be much complaining on the internet. And, you know, Mandy, they have tried before with Mandy. But, Mandy has largely been what I call a five-minute wrestler. Meaning that, you know, by herself, she's good for five minutes in the ring. And then, you better get out of there. So, I think, I mean, that basically lends itself to being more of a tag team wrestler but either way I mean at some point you gotta at least try with both of them to let them work a little bit longer so that you can you know so that you can develop some depth in your division so I hope they stick with that but you know but but that's one of the things that helped. That Dana actually got to work a real match with Shane and Blake not you know thirty second chlorified squash, because that that ate up some time, right? And they you know then they had Keith Lee versus Sheamus, and that was for something. It was to get a title shot at Drew. Keith Lee won that, so that you know kind of put us on a high note. Um, and then the other stuff we did throughout the show was good, entertaining stuff, and they you know they didn't have. I dare say there wasn't there weren't there were not any segments that missed. Okay, so you, and I think that might be for again first time all year. Or and and there were no segments that you know had a bunch of people complaining on the internet either, which always helps. But again, you know, we're all three hours and it's just it's always going to be a slog, right? So that's a memo to AEW. You know when when it's time to get yourself some more TV time, be mindful of that. Um, you know, three hours of dynamite is probably more than likely not a good idea. So if you can get something on a different night, that's preferable. But anyway, so Raw was actually very good this week, and yeah, I don't have to put on my Raw Defender hat <laughs> for once. As far as where we're going with stuff, there, um, well, don't know yet. Yeah, a lot of stuff still waste. A lot of stuff is still in the air. Um, I mean, it, we all tend to th- think, at least, that this thing with Charlotte and Oscar is going to lead to them facing each other. Probably with Charlotte turning on Oscar. That's kind of what we're assuming right now. But who knows? We don't know that yet. And then. As far as Royal Rumble, um, you know, Oscar doesn't need to defend the Raw Women's Title there. I mean, I could see them defending the Tag Team Titles there instead. We'll see. And also, I mean, if that. I because mean, again, you you don't have to have that the titles defended at every Royal Rumble, right? And if it, would, if, it, if it would burn off a match that you can save for some other time, then I would rather save that match. So if they want to do Oscar and Shayna, I'd rather save that for another, you know, save that for a different show than the Rumble. Because once you burn that off, then, then what? As, you know, as far as now, everything else, um, so, you know, Hurt Business, they're dealing with Woods and Kofi and with Riddle and... Jeff Hardy. So those things are... You know, we'll see that it's going. I think... um, Don't know where that ends up. Hoping this doesn't lead to Riddle winning the U.S. title. (laughs) Really hoping that doesn't happen. But, I mean, they've been having Bobby Lashley just kill everybody. So... I hope that that's leading to another title match for him. Against Drew. And... It'd be really cool if he won, because now he's finally in the kind of situation now, where it's plausible, right? I mean, because look, I mean, you know, a year ago he was just one of those guys who, you know, looked the part, had all, you know, and everything, but you know, he's not a great talker, and he needed the right kind of setup to you know, communicate or convey some type of character. And he's gotten that as part of the Hurt Business with MVP. Like I said, and I'll reiterate what a lot of people said. MVP has been a godsend in the past year. And I'm saying that somebody who you know was not watching during his initial run, but this has been great. And he's one of the best additions to the roster in the past couple of years. So let's hope this thing keeps going. So that's it as far as WWE stuff. Uh, I did watch a little NXT. I mean, they're basically just kind of laying the groundwork. Next week is New Year's Evil. So that's the, you know, that's the big thing for them. That You know, they were setting up the matches for that. So we're going to get, you know, Santos Escobar defending against Grand Mandalik, The cruiserweight title, that should be great. Uh, we're going to get Karrion Cross and Damian Priest. You know... Cross is obviously winning, and after that, I think it's time for Priest to move because there's no point in him winning back the North American title. And and unless you're gonna, unless he's gonna hang around and eventually beat Cross for the NXT title after Cross takes it from Balor, you know, then I don't see it. I mean, I think it's a good time to move him on. Move them on to Raw, and you know, not have them hang around there too much longer. Because NXT, NXT has been holding people hostage, right? I mean, especially on the women's side. But if, if somebody is, if somebody has progressed to the point where they're suitable for Raw or SmackDown, then you should move them along. And you can always bring somebody back to NXT, right? But anyhow, all right. So that's your WWE stuff for the week, as far as what's currently going on. Um, now I do watch some other stuff outside of WWE. I watch some Ring of Honor. I watch some MLW. I keep up with what's going on in AEW, but I don't really watch AEW because you know I'll spell that out over the you know over the weeks to come. And but now if you've heard me on Outsiders Edge, then, then you already know. Right? I mean, I'm just not a big fan of those guys. But with that being said, I will give them credit for the tribute, sure, they did for Brody Lee. I'll, that was great. I'll give them credit for that. But I'm still not going to be tuning in for Dynamite on Wednesdays. Sorry, guys. Well, not really, but you know. Anyway, so MLW has a big show. No pun intended. Uh, coming up on January sixth, also. So look, January sixth is a huge night for wrestling. Okay, New Year's Evil for NXT. AEW is doing some stuff, and at seven o'clock, MLW is having like the I forgot what they called, like the Coliseum, something or other. But it it's, it was going to be on their YouTube channel at 7 o'clock. Because as far as TV, they're on the BN network. And that's like one of those obscure cable channels. I have it. But most of y'all don't. So it's on YouTube at 7 on Wednesday. This week, it's going to be good. They got Well, they got some really good stuff lined up. They, um, Myron Reed, who is I think called the middleweight champion. This is gonna be defending against Leo Rush, that should be great. Uh, the Von Eric Boys be defending against the Dirty Blondes. That should be a decent match. And Hammerstone. Alex Hammerstone, who's the open weight champion, yes. Uh, he will be taking on this big giant guy that's part of the Contra unit, like the heel stable and MLW. Hammerstone is a guy, you know, if if he ever wants to come to WWE, they they will roll out the red carpet for him, right? And now he's trying to work his way towards getting a match, a title match with the MLW World Champion, Jacob Fatu, who's another guy that should, you know, he ever decide to come to, to WWE, they will roll out the red carpet for him. Both those guys are great. And when they eventually do that match, I'm sure it'll be on a pay-per-view or something. And it it, it, it will be worth the price. Um, and speaking of that, in 2019, they had their first pay-per-view. It was MLW Super Fight. And it was only like 20 bucks, And it was, it was a great show and particularly great for that price. Look, if you're going to do pay-per-view in 2021... Price point is crucial. You know, no AEW has been doing a hundred thousand buys, even with a fifty dollar price tag. I don't know how much longer that's going to hold up, but MLW at twenty bucks when they do another pay per view is a steal, and I highly recommend it. And uh, Ring of Honor, well, they've been kind of quiet since Final Battle. But the thing that interests me the most with them is the, the pure, well, two things, the, the pure division that has gotten restarted and, you know, the always pure champion, Jonathan Gresham, he's for my money, the kind of best Matt wrestler, technical wrestler out here right now. Then um, I'm glad that they finally found a lane for him because he was one of those guys, great wrestler, not much in the way of character, but you know, this whole thing with the pure division fits right in. And it has, well, it's allowed him to form a character around what he does best. And that's one of the most interesting, you know, the division now one of the most interesting parts of the show. And then also um, Shane Taylor. You know Shane Taylor Productions or Shane Taylor Promotions, whichever one it is. I'm sorry, sorry Shane, I, I'll get it right for next time. But you know that's been Shane Taylor has been there for a while. He was a TV champion, and over the past year, he's put together his little group. You know Shane Taylor Promotions, and it's it's kind of like a boxing kind of motif. You know where you have the guy at the head is the fighter, and then you have his guys around him. So, I mean, they've set that up over the past year. It's gotten pretty good. And I'm, you know, looking forward to seeing what they do with him now. So, a lot of stuff going on right now. And, you know, look, that December to early January tends to be quiet on the wrestling calendar. Or it tends to be, well, they're still running. But they kind of cool things down to, to, you know... And that's across the board. But this time, it that hasn't been the case. So there's been a lot of good stuff going around. And that's pretty much all of them You know, that I'm really looking at as far as what's going on right now. So I'm going to take a break and talk some wrestling history. Oh, and by the way... Um, Please check out uh, our shop at Pro Wrestling Tees for the Chairshot.com. Uh, we got a lot of different T-shirts there. Save Tag Team Wrestling. You know, Jesus did the job. Uh, Baron Corbin sucks. <laughs> we got a bunch of other stuff there too. So, so check that out on Pro Wrestling Tees. And we will be back after this break and talk some wrestling history. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Alright, so we're going to close out with some wrestling history. And it pertains to booking, I guess. Yeah. Because uh, Ryan Satin started up the thing that used to exist on Reddit, was like the KFA tier rankings. So he did one set for SmackDown. He's going to do another set for Raw. And it's just, it's ranking, it's like putting people in position, kayfabe position, as to where they are on their respective show. So it started out with like top star in the company, then there's main eventers, then there's like people you can put in main events. You know, like then there's like mid card title holder slash contender and then there are a couple tiers underneath that. That's well, the interesting thing because that stuff should exist. Like if you run a wrestling company, you should have that just internally some type of you know, ranking or tier system or something. Am I talking about like the kind of Kayfabe top five or top ten thing that AEW does. I'm talking about just, you know, me, me and you run a wrestling company and we have a board. We should have a board basically where, yeah, you have people slotted as to where they are right now. And it's important to have that because you really do need order on your roster. All right. And I know that's a thing that isn't too popular on wrestling Twitter. Well, I shouldn't say it's not popular. It's just that when the reality of the board, you know, you know, runs against people's kind of fantasy booking or people's kind of "you deserve it" rankings, that's when there's a problem, right now. On SmackDown, like the the top stars on the show were Roman and Sasha. Yes, um, and then the next level down, I think it was like Bailey and uh, maybe Daniel Bryan. And it was like one other person. I think Seth Rollins. I think, yeah. And then the next line down, like as far as people you can put in main events. I think the street profits were there, Um, Big E might have been there, that's all I remember right now. But that kind of thing, you know, look, it's, you absolutely should have that because you need order, because it's just, look, you, you have to have stuff set up so that you can better organize how you book things. And also, the reality of that thing is what you should go by. So, like, Roman and Sasha are the top stars on SmackDown. Yes. Now, there are people who will say that, well, there are people who want, you know, Cesaro to be the top star on SmackDown. That's not going to happen. All right? And you got to accept that. if you want other people who want Daniel Bryant to be the top star on SmackDown even though right now he's either he's either on the main event tier or the people you can put in a main event tier Um, Kevin Owens is on that tier also right I mean Daniel Bryant being the top star on SmackDown is just not a thing right neither and you know Kevin Owens Is in, yeah. Now, I might even put him in main event or not just person you can put in a main event, but Kevin Owens is not going to be the top star on SmackDown either. Top male star on SmackDown is going to be Roman Reigns. All right. Top woman star on SmackDown is going to be Sasha Banks. And depending on how 2021 goes, Bianca Belair may join her. Well, on either the top star level or or in the main eventer level, right? And by the end of 2021, Bianca, sh- I think, should be either a main eventer level or a person you can put in main events level. But then there are a bunch of different factors that go into that and what does not go into that? What, what factors do not go into that? You know, how long you spent on the Indies doesn't go into that. All right. Whether or not you came up the hard way doesn't factor into that. Whether or not you worked in Japan doesn't factor into that. Or whether or not you worked on you know, CMLL or Triple does not factor into that okay all of these kind of internet wrestling community credentials do not factor into that whether or not you are a top star or a main eventer all right you become a top star or main eventer you know by being somebody that can be presented to the general public in that position and not and at, at you know at minimum not tank things and at best you know, legit draw people or legit bring up the interest level in the segment or something, right? So, yeah, as much, look, I love Sami Zayn, right? But, you know, Sami Zayn is a, Sami Zayn is a you-deserve-it guy, right? I mean, he, has a long road to getting to the WWE. He's worked in a bunch of different places. He's a great in-ring worker, right? And But that alone does not mean you should be the face or the top star on the show. Same goes for Kevin Owens. Same goes for Cesaro. Um, you know, Chad Gable can be higher than he is. Did Chad Gable, top star on SmackDown? No. Chad Gable, main eventer? Probably not. Chad Gable, guy you can put in main events? Maybe. But y'all got to accept that. You know, the the example I always use is Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake was a great in ring worker, especially like ring psychology, that kind of stuff. Jake is. Was and still is a great, great on the mic. Jake was not Hulk Hogan. So, no, Jake should not have been the WWF World Champion. All right. Um, in fact, Jake never held a title there. But it doesn't matter because Jake had a great career. People who were fans during that time remember jake as one of the best guys there and they have you know and they love jake and we remember jake the snake roberts because you know all the character stuff in the feud with ravishing rick rude and the snakeskin boots and damien and when he had the cobra bite randy savage right i mean right you know six months as intercontinental champion would not have changed that You know, a pay-per-view title match where he jobbed the Hulk Hogan or Randy Savage would not have changed that. Jake was great right where he was. Okay. Ricky Steamboat was great right where he was. Um, Ravishing Rick Rude. R- Rude was Intercontinental Champion for like four months. And, and, but other than that, but nobody cares. People remember the few. People remember the few of the Jake the Snake. They remember you know the, the bringing the women out of the audience to kiss them in the middle of the ring, right? They remember you know what I'd like for all you now, for all of you, you know Maryland meatballs to sit down and keep the noise down while I want to take my robe off for all the ladies, right? That, that's what people remember. That's what was great about Ravishing Rick Roode. Okay. Him, you know, he had one world title match on pay per view, SummerSlam 1990, against the Ultimate Warrior. Okay. If he had won the title there and held it for a couple of months and then lost it back, that you know, I mean, would that really change what people think about him? Not really. Not really. being being a main eventer being the world champion getting a turn with the world title is not the end all be all and you know getting a turn with the world title is not something we should be pushing for because if we push for everybody who we think is great to get a turn then the title doesn't mean anything right i mean Now, Tito Santana was a great in-ring worker. All right. Tito was Intercontinental Champion a couple of times. He was Tag Team Champion a couple of times. Right. Tito was never World Champion. He never should have been. If Tito Santana was around today, there would be people on the Internet saying that he should, you know, that he should be in the title picture because he was a great in-ring worker. And I said, no. 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 Alright, so yes, a a, a tier system. This will be interesting to see how Satin plays this. But, I hope that they have one inside, you know, in the boardroom somewhere. And if they do, you know, it may be different from the one Satin comes up with, but it's definitely going to be different than the one that y'all come up with on the internet. And that's when, you know, you're going to have to accept, or you should accept, you probably won't, but you should accept that these guys know how to do this stuff better than we do. All right. The ones who didn't <laughs> are out of business, right? Right the guys who have been who guys who have managed who've been running companies and who have managed to keep them running for this long right um and not just the wwe ring of honor has been around for a long time now over 10 years impact before all of its snafus and screw-ups impact is still here all right mlw has been going for a few years now since they started back up right the people in charge of these places know how to run this stuff better than we do and you shouldn't be as consumed with whether or not the people who you think deserve it get what I call a checkbox world title win right just be more concerned that they get to regularly do stuff that's entertaining stuff that you can look back on and remember right R-Truth has been you know the funniest guy in the whole WWE and one of the funniest guys in all of pro wrestling for several years now do we really need him to win the world title no okay it's not a meritorious service award We're going to remember R Truth, you know, making people break when he, you know, like we're going to remember R Truth, you know, causing Brock Lesnar to break character on live TV. We're going to remember that more than we would some, you know, fluke title victory where he loses the belt back a few weeks later, right? You know, we're going to remember, you know, Little Jimmy more than we would ever remember. Some world title victory, right? So, that's what, you know, that's what we should stick to here, okay? Yeah, I was talking with Billy Kay earlier, right? Billy Kay doesn't ever need to win a women's championship. Billy Kay probably should not ever win the women's champion. That doesn't mean that she's a bad wrestler, it doesn't mean that she's a bad performer. I mentioned before, Billy Kay is hilarious and she can go on being hilarious for the next several years right and we already remember you know you gotta be joking me more than me remember her being a women's tag team champion right I mean you know like there, look, there there's certain people who are suited for you know for for their career highlights being winning and holding championships and then there are certain people who are suited for their career highlights just being doing entertaining stuff right billy k is one of those people now look if she i mean if some point she ever wins the women's title i'm not going to complain right but i don't think that's necessary for her to have had a good career So that's just something to think about, right? Just look to the past. Look at how people were very much mm-hmm. slotted in tiers and lanes. Not just in the WWF, but also in the NWA and other places. I mean, look to that and then apply that to today, And be realistic. And understand. Look, like if you're listening to this show, you're probably... Uh, Hardcore internet wrestling community person. Just remember that there are people who don't, who are not on Twitter. There are people who do not read dirt sheets. There are people who are not in Reddit forums, you know, constantly talking about all this stuff 24 7. Okay, there are people who just tune in and watch the show. Or they watch stuff on YouTube, right? And they don't go any further than that. And those people. They drive as much of what's important and who should get put in what position. They drive it as much as anyone else. Okay, it's nice that we have our quote unquote smart fan opinions, but we're only part of the puzzle. And there's some stuff that, that you think is just absolutely needs to happen yesterday that doesn't really need to happen at all. So just keep that in mind. You're not the only one at the table Mm -hmm. here. Now, Roman Reigns is the head of the table. (laughs) But you're not the only one sitting at it. Neither am I. So when you're judging how things get booked, who wins what, what makes it on TV, got to think about the people that you don't talk to, people that you never hear from, the people who you're never going to interact with. Because... Their votes matter too. And with that, that will be it for the show this week. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, please check out the, the Chair Shot t-shirt collection on Pro Wrestling Tees. And please check out our other podcast here. Outsider's Edge, Bandwagon Nerds, Three Man Weave, Potter's Ward, Greg DeMarco Show, Hashtag Miranda Show. That's all I remember off the top of my head. Um, there are others. But then also check out Share Shot Radio. Every day we're going to have something for you guys. So until next week, take care out there. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And I will talk to you next week.
1: Lucha Masks.com by Pro Wrestling Revolution. Bringing you
0: in partnership with Mask Republic